0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. Wonderful. Well, great to see you here. If you are new among us, allow me to extend my welcome to you, and uh, we're thrilled to have you here. And uh, well done for braving the elements today, coming through the, the rain and the snow, and the sleet, and uh, so good to be here. It was also great to gather on Thursday evening with our life groups for the launch of Rooted. And uh, to those of you who are here, we were so encouraged. And thinking back to four years ago when we just had two life groups here at CLM, I think we're around 28 now, and to gather everyone together and to see and sense that wonderful spirit of Christ-centered community of being together I'm excited to launch this discipleship journey called Rooted. I am doing my devotions. I have got stuck in already. Uh, I've attempted to learn uh, the memory verse for this week from Romans 8, 1 to 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So I've got it in me if I can do it. If I can do it, you can do it, and uh, let's get the Word in us. It will do something awesome, and uh, we commend you if you're on this journey. Uh, If you've not yet started, you're in a life group, and you've not yet had a devotion, you probably need to do a couple this afternoon to get yourself on track. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, and I've been carrying a a phrase in my spirit over the last couple of weeks that I, I just feel compelled by God to bring us a word to encourage somebody's heart today, and it's this, there is a fourth man in the fire. There is a fourth man in the fire, and I just believe that God wants to come and encourage somebody who's going through a trial or a test or what you might call the fire right now, that God is with you in the midst of what you're going through. And we're going to look at a famous story, Uh, many of you will be familiar from Daniel chapter three, the background is a divided kingdom in Israel of Israel and Judah, and Judah, being unfaithful to God, uh, were uh, received the judgment of God upon them, and the king of Babylon Nebuchadnezzar came against Judah and uh, besieged Judah, and the strong and the able were carried off in exile six hundred miles out of Judah and were forced to settle inside of Babylon, subject to the rule of the Babylonians. This is where we are. And so you've got the people of God, if you will, uh, the faithful, those who are serving the living God, but they are in exile in Babylon. This is why the psalmist wrote, By the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, when we remembered Jerusalem. Some of you are old enough with me to remember Boney M. Mm -hmm. We won't go there. And uh, so what happens here is that we, we read about God's people in Babylon, in exile, but trying to live according to God's way and God's word. The hero of the book of Daniel is Daniel himself, but he has three companions that are living a similar walk. These are probably guys in their late teens is the reality And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they're called, their their Jewish Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. But in the story, they're called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is the names that were given inside of Babylon. And here we are in Daniel 3, and King Nebuchadnezzar has built uh, an idol, a statue that is 90 feet tall, that is made of solid gold. To give you an idea of how high that is, the tallest part of our room here is five times that. This is a massive structure inside of Babylon, and then he calls together all the officials of the nations to, of the nation, sorry, to come. and when a certain sound of music uh, is released, they are ordered that the whole nation should come and bow down before this lump of gold that he has created and worship the lump of gold. And worse still, that if they don't do that, the decree is they will be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace alive. And then some astrologers come and and they cause trouble because some of the Hebrews that are exiled inside of Babylon, including our three friends here this morning, refuse to bow down. And they report this to Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what it says in Daniel 3. If you've got your Bible, please uh, break in with me at verse 12, although it will come up on the screen for you. This is what they say to King Nebuchadnezzar. There are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, la, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? It's worth holding on to that question for a moment because we're about to see. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, were there not three men we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods or, new King James, the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. For no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is the word of the Lord. Wow, what an incredible story. I mean, you, you may think that we have some slightly out-of-control world leaders. Let me tell you, Nebuchadnezzar was unhinged. He was deranged. He not only made this statue, he said that if you didn't bow down, you'd be thrown in the fiery furnace. But what an incredible story. Of our three friends here today. A fourth man was in the fire. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar called it one that looked like the Son of the Gods or the Son of God. But when they came out, he said, God has sent his angel to be with you. You know, I don't know, the Bible's not clear whether it was an angel or whether it was Christ himself. It is understood, sometimes implied, although never actually expressed, that Christ who came in flesh in Bethlehem the eternal word of God God the Son who existed in the beginning with the Father and the Holy Spirit that he came and made his dwelling among us in Bethlehem but it's also understood and believed that in the Old Testament times there are rare occasions where he came himself and encountered somebody it's called a Christophany when Christ appears outside of that time 2,000 years ago the commander of the Lord's army that confronts Joshua. Probably Christ appearing to Joshua. It says that Jacob, in the book of Genesis, wrestled with a man, and it says that that he refused to give him his name, but the man said, you have wrestled with God. Is this not Christ that then blesses Jacob? Melchizedek, who appears before Abraham, and and it says it was the, the, the high priest Of God who brought out the bread and the wine and to whom Abraham gave a tenth of everything he had. Is this not Christ appearing to Abraham? It is my personal conviction it was. And quite possibly this is Christ appearing with our friends in the fiery furnace. Maybe it was an angel. But as Ronald Wallace says in his commentary, although likely to be Christ himself, the presence of the divine figure is no doubt meant to be taken as the fulfillment of God's promise of companionship with his people when they pass through tribulation. I've come here today to say to somebody, there's a fourth man in the fire. Somebody might be going through a challenge, through the the heat of circumstance, the pain of confusion. The diagnosis that has come your way, or the threat of redundancy, or some relational challenge. I don't know what you might be going through, but I want to say to you today, there's a fourth man in the fire. Five thoughts for us today. Firstly, they refused to bow down, but they entered the fire anyway. You know, I don't know, but maybe we might sometimes think if we do things God's way, we'll never face a challenge. I don't know if you think that. If you know anything of maturity of what it is to be a Christian, you'll understand that's not the reality. We're not promised a charmed life with no challenge. We're promised that he'll be with us through the challenges. Now hear me right. If we don't do things God's way, we are more likely to bring trouble upon ourselves. Typically, sin will take us further than we ever wanted to go, keep us longer than we ever wanted to stay, and cost us more than we ever wanted to pay. But even so, the godly life is not a challenge-free life. A couple of weeks ago, we were in Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man or the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will not fear when the heat comes. The promise isn't the absence of heat, it's the absence of fear. And sometimes we can be walking before the Lord and find ourselves in trial. Jesus in John 15 says, Every branch In me, the Father cuts off if it bears no fruit, and if it bears fruit, he will prune it. There's the promise of God. You're either going to get cut off or pruned. It sounds painful to me. God is in the business of being at work in our lives. The promise of 1 Peter is that we will go through trials. For now, in a little while, 1 Peter 1, 7, 6 and 7. You may have to suffer grief through all kinds of trials. These have come. So, the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. These guys refused to worship Nebuchadnezzar's idol, but they were thrown into the fire anyway. You know, I have to admit, having been following Jesus for 30 years, I can look back on my life and say, many fires that I walked through were of my own making. My own stupidity, my own sin, my own rebellion. that I, Some of the fires I walked through, I didn't need to walk through. But many fires, many trials, many challenges, many times of pressure and opposition and heat and pain and refinement were not of my making, but somehow it seemed God wanted me there. There was purpose in the fire. Maybe he knew that what needed to change in me would be best burned up in the fire Maybe he knew what needed forging in me could only be forged in the furnace. You know, sometimes we pray, don't we? Make me the man you want me to be. Make me the woman you want me to be. And then something kicks off in our world and we don't associate our prayer with the circumstance. But actually God is answering our prayer by turning the heat up. A wise man once said to me, don't go around in pastoral ministry putting out fires that God lit. And we have to understand that that not all things that come our way, God has lit, but sometimes He has. He will often allow circumstance around our lives to test us. Let me caveat, and I cannot possibly cover all eventualities, but we do not believe that anything that is abusive or oppressive is of God. And if you find yourself in an abusive or oppressive situation, we encourage you, if you need to seek help, do what you need to do to get out of it and know that God is your deliverer. But I want to know whatever you're going through, most of the trials we face, God has at least allowed, if not arranged, in order that we would be refined, that something would happen in us, that something would be forged in us. I remember a a time of trial for me, being in the fire, a time of confusion and Being accused of some things that I hadn't done. Whether I was betrayed or not, feeling betrayed. Things that were said were untrue and difficult to process. I was in a season of pain and challenge and confusion and the flesh within me wanted to fight back. Wanted to defend myself but I somehow knew that God was at work in me. And there was a higher agenda than the circumstance itself. Whatever injustice existed in the circumstance, God was doing a work in my heart. I knew that in that time I needed to not defend myself. Like Paul says in Philippians 3, that I might be like him in his death in order to attain to the resurrection. And I understood I needed to be like him in his death. To die like Jesus died. The Bible says, as a sheep before his shearers is silent, he didn't open his mouth. And I understood in that season, it was a season of dying, if you can hear me right, on the inside. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. If you want Christ to live in you, then you have to die to yourself. And there's a process of dying. And I understood in my trial, I needed just to bring it to God and not shoot my mouth off, not complain, not defend myself. These guys, they say to Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter. And sometimes we can find ourselves in challenge. We can find ourselves in the fire. It doesn't mean that God is not with us, that God has deserted us. Your being in the fire doesn't imply a lack of God's pleasure. It may well be pointing to his purpose. Secondly, they declared their faith, but they also declared their allegiance. I love their faith, but... I even more love their allegiance. You know, their faith, they respond to the king and they say, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able. We sang that this morning. He is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Wow, who can escape a blazing furnace? But this was their faith. If you throw us in, our God is able to save us. Wow, what incredible faith. Who of us, if faced with being thrown into a burning furnace, would have the faith to say, My God will deliver me, Your Majesty? And I love their faith, but even more, I love their allegiance when they say, But even if He doesn't, we will not bow down. We will not bow down. Something of a higher grade faith that says, Lord, I have prayed my prayers and I am believing you are going to answer my prayers. But even if you do not answer in the way that I want you to, I will still praise you. I will still trust you. I have resolved that you will be my God in thick and in thin. I will not be a fair weather believer, but a true believer who is determined to praise you even when it hurts. Some say that fire develops character. I think fire reveals character. You see what's in a man. You see what's in a woman when the heat turns up. Hello? It reveals character. You see what is on the inside when the pressure comes. Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me, that prayer, it's okay to pray, Lord, deliver me out of the fire. But ultimately, he says, not my will, but yours be done. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame i remember about five years ago dave and michelle pollard who were here in our first service dave is one of our sound engineers and michelle is one of our singers and at that time they had two girls elizabeth and rebecca and then they had a third daughter abigail and when abigail was born she was diagnosed with some serious health issues and the prognosis was that she wouldn't live many days and i remember us praying I remember us asking God that he would heal little Abigail. I remember holding her in my arms and asking God that he would come and heal her. And I have every confidence that God has healed her. But the reality is he also took her home. And I remember David and Michelle's faith in that season. They resolved to praise God. They refused to charge God with wrongdoing. They refused to lean away from God and chose to lean into God. I remember being so impacted by their faith, being at this little Thanksgiving service, taking a funeral service with a tiny box and seeing Dave and Michelle with their hands in the air, saying, Lord, we said you were good when it was going well. We're going to say you are good when it's going bad because our faith declares that you are good. Wow. I remember in that season saying, God, if the unthinkable ever happens in my life, may this faith be found in me, that I will not be a fair-weather believer. On the Rooted Journey, we'll get to it in week four, in grappling with what happens when there's suffering, and it's called double-fisted faith, that I have chosen to cling on to God with both hands. That in that season, I'm not reaching out for a plan B. I'm going to hold on to God. And we see this. They declared their faith, but they also declared their allegiance. Many of you have heard the story of Horatio Spafford. It's been well told now. Spafford lived in Chicago. He was a businessman. and about 1870, his son died and tragedy hit the family. Two years later, the great fire of Chicago came and burned all of his properties and his business and and the business went to ground. He was a great friend of the preacher D.L. Moody and and two or three years later, they took a decision as a family, uh, him and his wife and his four daughters, to, to take a journey to Europe to join Moody on one of his missions. And then some business arrangement came up at the last minute and it detained Spafford himself and his wife and his daughters sailed ahead of him. But halfway across the Atlantic, they ran into a vessel and the ship that they were on went down and only a few survived. Those that survived were were brought in to land near Cardiff in Wales and a telegram was sent from there back to Spafford from his wife saying, saved alone. And he knew that his four girls hadn't made it. And he got on the next boat that he could, and he sailed to join his wife in Wales. And it's there that he penned the great hymn, When Peace Like a River. And the story's told that that when the ship that he was on was broadly in the place where the, the boat that his family had been on went down, he wrote this, When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. My friends, this is not new faith. This is old school faith. This is Bible faith. This is the book of Acts faith. This is the church down the centuries faith. This is Habakkuk's faith. Though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there may be no sheep in the pen nor cattle in the stores, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. My friend, let me say to you today, don't fight God in the fire. Trust Him in the fire. And let me tell you why. Because they were in the fire, but they were not alone. There was a fourth man in the fire. I don't know if it has ever occurred to you, but our God is the God of the fire. Hebrews says He is a consuming fire. When He met Moses, there was a burning bush that was filled with fire when the holy spirit poured out on pentecost it sounded like a mighty rushing wind but it appeared as tongues of on that day of judgment it says our lives will be tested and and what we have done will be proved by the god is a god of the fire let me tell you they turned up the furnace seven times hotter and god was right at home in that place I tell you, you might be going through heat like you've never been through before. I want to tell you, God is on home turf in the fire. He is a consuming fire. He is the God of the fire. He's right at home in the midst of your fire. He created the fire. He brings forth fire. John the Baptist said of Jesus, One will come after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and... There's a fourth man in the fire. We can move to the third point. They were in the fire, but they were not alone. Don't think, my friend, that God has deserted you. His promise is he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you in the good, but he is also with you in the bad. Psalm 23, even though I walk, David says, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are... Let's say it together. Because you are with me. Say it again, because you are with me. Say it again, because you are with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, because he is with you. God, it seems that he promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. And yet in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the valley, and let's just take a moment to understand, even though I walk through the valley. Valleys are for walking through, not for dying in. You might be in a valley right now. You will come out the other side. Valleys are not a destination. They're part of the journey. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. He's with us. Pastor Esther opening our service today in Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I, the Lord, your God, am your Savior, the promise to be with us. See, the great key when we go through the fire is not to apportion blame, but to find the fourth man. You know, some of us, we are prone to want to understand, why is this happening to me? It's not an invalid question, but the more profitable question is, Lord, where are you? And how can I respond? You know, sometimes we, things kick off and we try and understand why is this happening? Whose fault is this? Some of us, we're blame merchants. When something goes wrong, we have to find someone to blame. It's our personality. It's how we respond. And we have to understand there's a fourth man with us. The question isn't primarily why, but where and how. I can remember... Many years ago, and compared to, to what many of you are, are facing, it seems utterly trivial, but as a 21-year-old, it was a test for me. Someone had graciously given me a car, but I was doing an internship with a church, and I, to say that money was too tight to mention was an understatement. I literally, I, I was, my budget was so tight as to be ridiculous. Ever tried living off 5p a day? You know, it was like, and yeah, I'm trying to run this car, and it was just a crazy situation. There was too much month at the end of the money who knows what i'm talking about and i remember you know i'm driving this car and then this car started to go horribly wrong when i say somebody bought me the car somebody gave me some money to get a car and i chose the car and i remember this car started to go wrong and i mean everything that could go wrong did go wrong I remember like it would be, to be parked up on my parents' drive and I'd do some extra work or I'd try and do something just to get the money to, to sort it out and get it fixed, get it back on the road. And this went on time after time after time. I remember at the end crying out to God and saying, oh God, just help me understand what's going wrong. I was like, Lord, is this, is this are you testing me to prove my faith? Is the devil having a go at me and should I rebuke him? Or did I just make a stupid mistake in buying this? Ford Fiesta don't write in if you work for Ford I remember as clear as anything the Holy Spirit said yes and I said Lord you've not understood the question I- I'm looking for A, B or C and he said my son you've not understood the answer, the answer is yes, what do you mean by that well has God allowed some things around your life Probably, yes. Is the enemy trying to piggyback them to, to attack you? Almost certainly. Has somebody somewhere, maybe even you, conspired in the circumstances? That's also possible. But the question isn't why, but where is the fourth man in the fire? Because God, if you walk will with him, will do something beautiful in you. I've come to tell someone today, you may have had a diagnosis, but he is with you. You may be facing redundancy, but he is with you. You may be in a mighty battle, but he's with you. You may feel betrayed, but he's with you. There may be fierce battles inside your family, but he is with you. And fourthly, they fellowshiped with him in the fire and they emerged unharmed. If you read the story as we have done and look at it, it's incredible. Verse 21, 22, they were firmly tied and thrown in. And yet it says in verses 26-27 that when they came out, their bodies were unharmed, their hair was unsinged, their clothes were unscorched, there was no smell of fire on them. Even though those that had thrown them in had died because of the heat. And yet if you read it, it doesn't just say, I can see a fourth man. It says they are walking around in the fire together. I I hope I'm not pushing it too, too far to say I believe they were fellowshipping together in the midst of the fire. I believe that God will walk with us, will fellowship with us in the midst of our trial and our fire. We can find him in a special place there. We can learn to walk with him in the midst of our fire. We can be walking around in the fire with one who looks like the Son of God because God will come in the midst of there. It might not answer our questions about how and why, but we will find him there. And I believe our fellowshiping with him In the midst of the fire is our key to emerging unharmed. My point is if we choose it, we can find God in the most special way. If we learn to lean in and not pull back, we can get victory in the valley. We can find fellowship in the furnace and the fire won't touch us. Some years ago, I I was working in a job and I had a temporary contract and it was in a time of my life around the one I've just said where money was tight. And I knew that this temporary contract was coming to an end, but I got offered another job. And I spoke to the boss of the temporary contract and I I explained that I'd been offered another job and I inquired as to whether they were going to extend the contract I was in or whether that would be the end of it. And I was just trying to be open with him and he assured me that they would extend the contract and it would carry on. So on the strength of that promise, I turned down the other job and, and things moved on. But a couple of weeks later, he came and said, after all, we're not going to extend your contract. In fact, you don't need to come in tomorrow. You can just go, that's it. We're done. I remember going out of that place. I was Have you ever seen somebody talking to themselves? I remember trudging my way home. I was having a good rant. I was, I was rehearsing how unfair it had been. I was so angry about it. I was concerned about how I was going to pay my bills. I can remember having a really good rant, and then I remembered a preacher once saying, don't nurse it, curse it, or rehearse it, but disperse it and let God reverse it. You know, I'll be honest, when I first heard that, I thought, that's ridiculous. But when I was trudging my way home, I thought, I need that. That's true, because I was cursing it, I was nursing it, and I was rehearsing it. I was having the same conversation over again, only in my head, I gave a different response this time around. Anybody ever done that? I came up with the smart answer. I said what I should have said if I'd have been bold enough. But I needed to not rehearse it. I needed to disperse it. And something started to happen to me, and I started to declare that God is good. I said, Lord, you are my provider, not this employer. Your, your arm is not too short. Lord, you have never let me down before. You're not going to let me down now. Lord, you're the one that opened that door. You'll open the next door. God, you are my father. You are faithful. You are my provider. You are good, and I will praise you, and I will trust you, and I can only say something unspeakable happened on the inside of me. Something changed. Faith arose. I knew I was going to be all right. Joy rose in my spirit. I remember going home and I I told my dad what had happened and uh, and he started to say, oh, that's terrible. I said, no. I said, hear me right. Forgive me, but please don't give me any self-pity because I have found a victory in this place and it is beautiful. And it was only a couple of weeks before God turned the situation around. We can learn to fellowship in the midst of the fire. You know, in this story, the only things that burned up were the bindings. You know, we can go through the fire and some things that bound us come off us. You know, sometimes we can go through trial and we can come out and there is the smell of fire on us. We can, or we can come out of the trial and there is no smell of fire on us. But the key is whether we'll fellowship with the Lord in the midst of the trial. You know, sometimes we can pass through stuff and it's, it's incredibly tough, but we come out the other side. We're through it, we're over it, but there's something is on us. Because of what we've been through. Some of the pain that we carried and nurtured there. Some of the bitterness maybe we held on to there. And we come out, but it's still on us. Lazarus was in the tomb for four days and he came out and Jesus said, Take off the grave clothes. He was alive, but he was still dressed for a funeral. And some of us, we, we can come out alive, but we're still dressed for a funeral. There's something on us. In Joshua 5, the people of God, they've come through the Jordan. They're on the verge of taking the promised land at Jericho. And we get to Gilgal and God speaks. God comes and says to Joshua, take out your flint knives. Because a whole generation have failed to be circumcised in the desert. And they have this incredible time where they renew covenant with God. Because a whole generation that have been born in the desert and never even been in Egypt, they're in They're on the verge of taking the promised land, and they can't even see, but God can see there's something on them. And they renew covenant, and God says these profound words in Joshua 5. See, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from them. There was something of a tone of slavery, of a poverty mindset, of what it had meant. Something that had been on their fathers, that had come upon them, and it was still on them, and God wanted to release them from it. Maybe you went through a trial some years ago, but you've never properly recovered. Maybe there's something on you. I want to tell you, my friend, today, God is in the business of rolling away the reproach of Egypt. But maybe you're in the fire right now. And let me tell you, if we fellowship with him in that place, I believe we can come out unscathed. There will not even be the smell of smoke upon us. In fact, people will meet you and they will be amazed to hear what you went through because they can't see a trace of it on you. But the key is that we walk with him in the midst of the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A fourth man is walking with them in the fire. Why don't the band come and join me as we bring this into a close? My final point is this. The fire didn't ruin them. It made them. The end of the story. Nebuchadnezzar, he's so amazed by what's happened, he sends a decree that now no one should speak against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it says, and he promoted them further in the land of Babylon. There was an enemy that wanted to ruin them, but there was a God who wanted to promote them. Sometimes the things we're walking through, we can see no purpose in them, but if we fellowship with him, far from ruining us, it will make us God will forge something in us. My friends, you know, sometimes some people come and they say, look, I, I feel a sense of call to serve God with my life. And I look at them, and I remember the call of God coming on my life when I was 19, 20, and I know what it's cost. And I look at them like, oh God, may the Lord help you. Because God has a way of making a woman of God. God has a way of making a man of God. it's in the furnace it's in the fire we learn to trust him he'll do something incredible in us he'll burn up the dross he'll refine us he'll refine our faith but we won't get there without the heat but let me tell you the heat's not come to ruin you it's come to make you will you find the fourth man in the fire as we come into close I'd love to pray for anybody today who's going through a fire going through a trial going through a storm I'd love to pray that you would know in a profound and a renewed way that you'd receive a word of encouragement today that God is with you and if that's you, if the Lord's been speaking to you in some way today, I'm going to invite you to stand right now, I'm going to pray for you where you are just to know that He's with you to know that He comes alongside you To know that he is not unmindful of you. But right now in this place he comes to stand with you. To walk with you. He's to be found in this place. The God of the fire comes to be with you in the fire. And if you need to stand, stand now. We're going to pray. That you would know fellowship with the living God. That you would learn instead of withdrawing how to press in and lean in. And if you're standing, would you raise your hands or open your hands? And if someone near you is stood, want to reach out a hand towards them and pray for them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come alongside right now in a special way? I pray, God, that, that our friends, our brothers and sisters, they would know your proximity. They would know that you are near. They would know that you are with them. They would know, God Almighty, that you have not deserted them, but you come closer than ever. And I pray that in the midst of their trial and their storm, they would know you coming close and doing something wonderful and beautiful and powerful and transformational, that there would be a new revelation of you to them, that they would come out of the other side and as many have testified would say, God, if I could choose, I would not have chosen to go through it, but neither would I be without what it has brought me on the other side. And I pray, come right now and minister to your people. May they know there is a fourth man may they know there is one that comes to walk with them where you are just receive the companionship of the holy spirit the paraclete the one who comes alongside your advocate and your companion just know his closeness to you know how mindful he is of you maybe you felt a bit deserted but know that the absolute opposite is true in these moments, that God is very mindful of you right now. Put your hand in His hand and know His fellowship. I wonder those of us that are seated, could we stand and join our friends? In a moment we're gonna go into a song. Let it be a response. I'd like to ask one final thing. There are some of us here today and the Lord has been speaking to you because maybe in your trial you've somehow withdrawn from God. Maybe you've even felt angry with God. Maybe you've turned away or just pulled back. Maybe just in that stoic resolve you've got stuck in and tried to work your way through and somehow missed that God wants to journey with you. You're listening to this message today and you're kind of waking up going, how is it that I face this without drawing God in? And if that's you, I'd love myself and some of our prayer ministry team to pray with you. i let's invite you as a, as a response to step out of your seat and come down the front. And in doing that, you say, God, I resolve to walk the rest of this trial with you. I'm going to keep my hand in your hand. I'm going to walk it with you and let you walk it with me that's for you. Come and let some of us agree with you in prayer. Let's sing. Let's worship.